Okay, folks, welcome back to another edition of Let's Watch a B-Movie. Today, we're continuing with the Nightmare on Elm Street series, and we're making a hard right and going straight to Freddy vs. Jason, which is one of Nick's favorite movies, I've been told. He's been texting me all week, telling me he couldn't wait to do this podcast. He didn't tell me what exact feelings on the movie were, but he was so enthusiastic that I get a sense that he's really, really going to have a passionate, great experience here uh, discussing Freddy vs. Jason. So I can't wait to get his thoughts, but first thing before we get into that, just a reminder, everybody, once again, please, if you want to leave feedback, go to our website, letswatchabmovie.com, and also, we're on YouTube as well under Vic Azim. Find us there. Leave us feedback. We'll implement your feedback. Give you shout outs. Have more podcasts for you guys in the future. That said, let's get back to Freddy versus Jason. Before Nick even gets in there, because I can see him just his face just like eagerly getting ready to rant. I just want to get some background real quick and then I'll unleash you in the world and just let you go off for the next seven minutes if you like. All right. But let me get some background in first. Some unbiased thoughts real quick. Freddy vs. Jason came out in 2003, directed by Ronnie Yu. The movie took like 15 years to make. They... It was in development hell, went through 17 different scripts. So Nick will appreciate that they really took the time to perfect the script, going through 17 different versions to make sure they didn't film until they got it right. <laughs> they really put the, the, the details in to make sure they got all the details right. So I know Nick's going to appreciate how much time they took with the script, 17 drafts. Now, beyond that, also, uh, Ronnie Yu. Ronnie Yu, actually, director of Bride of Chucky, did a great job with that. We'll see if that carries over to Freddy vs. Jason. My co-host, Nick Harris, I'm going to bring him on first. But before we give any thoughts, let me ask you just a couple questions. Did you see this movie in theaters? No. Rented it when it came out? My brother bought it. He went, he went straight to buying it? Yeah. Before even seeing it? Yeah. Oh, wow. My family is real big on Freddy. We're big Freddy fans. Granted, my entire, movie, my entire family big on horror in general. You cannot go through one person in my family that has not seen and loved any horror movie out there. And especially Freddy, it sounds like. Exactly. Just a once a year thing, or you had to go back and revisit this now after like five, six, seven, eight years? So to be honest, this this is a once a year kind of thing. I just skip most of the movie. All right. I go straight to the fight scene. Straight to the fight scene? Straight to the fight so this scene. Is a, this, is a, this was an opportunity for you to actually be forced to sit down and watch the entire movie and just get a new view of it. New thoughts, new optimism, new new hopefulness. A couple things, though. First, actually, let's do a quick talk of the timeline because this is with our Nightmare series. We just did part six, Freddy's Dead, um, which surprisingly we both did not give glowing reviews to. And And that's saying something since this entire series of reviews, you, sir, has been saying you're looking forward to defending it, and I did the defending. You know, I really thought that (laughs) Freddy's Dead was going to be in that upper echelon of the series. I thought it was going to be like part one, Part three, and then slightly right behind, Freddy's dead. But unfortunately, I feel like it's in the bottom tier with part five and part two now, even though it's still very entertaining. And I may feel sort of the same way about Freddy vs. Jason. We'll find out pretty soon. We had a lot of issues with what the timeline was Freddy's dead, because Freddy's dead sort of messed up the timeline by setting it 10 years in the future. And I did on the last podcast, I did theorize that maybe Freddy's dead took place after Freddy vs. Jason, because I couldn't see how we would get from Freddy's Dead Springwood to Freddy vs. Jason Springwood. I can report, unfortunately, that Freddy's Dead takes place before Freddy vs. Jason. Specifically, uh, at least, at most, four years before. Yeah, there's one site that's a 2001, because they're saying 10 years after the actual movie Freddy's Dead, but the official Nightmare on Elm Street wiki page, which is the closest thing we're going to get to canon, does state that this is 1999 that Freddy's Dead takes place. Freddy vs. Jason is in 2003, and Jason Goes to Hell is also in 2003. This actually, this movie picks up apparently two months after the end of Jason Goes to Hell, which makes sense because at the end of Jason Goes to Hell, we have Freddy pulling the glove down. He's taking time to theorize his plan. And two months later, we get this um, this opening. Is this a montage? This is... It's a, it's a montage 
Freddie pretty much going over his backstory and how they beat him, even though if real, he, we didn't need it. If he's dead, how's he narrating? The real question Where's I'm he at right now? The real question I'm wondering, how stupid do the producers, the directors, and the writers think the audience was when they made this fucking scene? Well, I mean, basically, it's very unnatural for Freddie himself to be recapping his entire history. I know there's such thing as I know there's such thing as breaking the fourth wall, but who is Freddie talking to? He's telling the audience's history. First of all, where's Freddie at right now? He's in hell. I'm assuming or no. purgatory. If he's narrating, he's in whatever damn other realm world that Carlos is in. Purgatory. He's next to Carlos chilling. Yep. So he's Probably narrating. Smoking a blunt. Dead. They actually have clips of Freddie's dead in this opening of Freddie vs Jason, thus completely killing my timeline. Thank you, producers. Because as we'll find out later, we'll discuss in more detail. There's no way this makes any sense. But anyways. So here's one thing that definitely don't make sense. How can a dead man dream? You be talking about one Jason Voorhees. Yes. And he's not even a man. He's a damn zombie. Makes even less sense. He's a fucking dead eye. I don't care. But how can this man (laughs) dream? I don't know. And if you're going to dream, Jason, why not dream about happy things? Dream about days when you were a kid when you were at Camp Crystal Lake. Not... You, as a zombie dude going so, around killing people, so, I'm going to give Jason benefit of the doubt and say this is a reoccurring nightmare he's having because some people do think if there is a hell, they do think it's just you uh, stuck in your own nightmare. That's because of the show Lucifer. I thought you were going to say Supernatural. And I was going to be like, no, <laughs> that's not canon for the world. No, not Supernatural. The, uh, Supernatural's version of hell is actually different than Lucifer's version of hell. Lucifer's version of hell is pretty much Lucifer's not actually torturing people. People that have a certain regret when they died end up going down to hell and reliving that regret over and over and over again. So is this a producer trying to make us already sympathize with Jason? Because if he's if his dream about killing uh, Camp Conscious Crystal Lake, he's in heaven. He's not in hell. I'm about to say, this man... Uh, that, that was what he was doing for his normal day-to-day life. And then Freddie comes in as his mom. Not Betsy Palmer, though. Some, no. Someone some, else. Some other woman, and to be honest with you... You know, she did a pretty decent job with the two scenes we have her in. I could see her as an unhinged woman who just lost her son. It was a cool it was a cool special effect when her face turns into Freddy. Yeah. I've been away from my children for far too long. So at this point, I guess I should mention all the characters we're gonna meet, because be honest, I'm not going scene by scene with this damn movie. We don't have to go scene by scene. Cause I don't know if you'd make it to go by scene by scene. No. So, so this is what I'm gonna do. We're going, I'm now going to introduce you all to the, all the characters that I'm going to talk about their deaths very happily. So we got Lori, Kia, Gib, Trey, Blake, Deputy Scott, Charlie, otherwise known as Lindenberg, Bill Freeberg, <laughs> a good security guard, the, the dad, which to be honest, I'm never going to mention again. I like that you know that you know Freeberg's first name because in the movie he's just called Freeberg. Well, that's because if you go online and type in Freddy vs. Jason cast, his whole name pops up. Bill Freeberg sounds like Bill Goldberg. I don't know. Better yet, I should probably that. also mention the the other uh, stoner slash drunk character named Shaq, who literally gets five minutes before he's killed. One of the worst characters in the history of either franchise. Is the oh, Shaq don't guy. forget the raver. Yep, we got to talk about the raver because he does something despicable. And- the raver or the rapist. Well, that's what he's called in the movies, Raver. Raver the Rapist. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that was an uncomfortable scene. Okay, so now that all the characters got out of the way, Trey dies by being stabbed and then tacoed in a bed. I got a craving for Taco Bell afterwards. I thought to myself, well, that looks a little bit like a chalupa, so. I don't know. We need to talk to Hannibal about if human is red meat or not. Hey, look, I'll say this. You can say what you want. This is a good death scene. This is brutal as hell. 
The only thing I don't like is that weird, we're going to see it in the entire movie, the weird slow motion blurring effect that yeah. looks like, I think someone else described it perfectly, when, you're, uh, when you're, your, your screen is buffering, basically. Mm. Like, it hasn't actually, um, your connection slow. I just realized. That's also the same kind of effect they used in Blade, but it actually worked for Blade. Because they only did it, I think, really in one scene, and that's the very beginning rave scene before jumping to a fight scene. Well, and that would be very much of the times. I don't think it's a big deal if it's not overused, but in this movie, it's they go to it a lot. And it's and I think it was as simplistic as Ronnie you thinking that, hey, this is a dream sequence. This makes things more dreamy. But no, it's stupid. Right. I don't like it. But the death scene itself, I mean, it, it would be nice if the, the guy was a likable character, but mm. he's pretty much a shithead. So. Oh, yeah. I he mean, had, remember... What he, the, had, he had it coming. What, his only line he's pretty much said is, don't touch me. You know, I don't like being touched after sex. Hey, babe, don't make me ask you twice. Like, So do you know the... Uh, what the hell did this woman... Cat, what was her name? Catherine Isabel do to get some shithead boyfriend like this? She was meant to play a different character initially, and they ended up cutting that character out, and at the very last second asked her to do this character. And she agreed to do it, but she was like, you know, I don't want to do the other... Because I guess there's like the borderline nude scene, basically. And she didn't want to do it. And so that was a body double they did for the shower scene. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a stun double. But she had a fight on the set with Ronnie Yu because Ronnie Yu was actually trying to force her on filming to do it. And she was like, it's in my contract that I'm not doing it. So basically, after this, for the rest of the movie, they were like high tension on the set with them two. Because she just like took offense to the fact that... He was trying to force her into it, basically. Well, yeah. It's, one, it's in her contract. Two, you should never try to force someone. Just because, even if it's in the script, don't try to force someone to do a nude scene. But Catherine Isabel, do her credit, like, she she had been, in, apparently, I didn't know this, but she had been already been, like, in 10 horror movies before. Pretty much, basically. Yeah. She had done enough in horror that they said that Robert England was actually excited just to see her get cast, basically. Because there's a werewolf movie that called Ginger Snaps that was one of Yeah, she's in all, all three of them. Yeah, it's apparently one of Robert England's favorite movies. So he was excited just to see her cast. And now, she's in a movie I saw called American Mary that was actually really good too years later, but this is a thankless role. She could they could have had her do way more in this movie. They just had her drunk the whole time, and then she checks out pretty quick. But I, I would have had her be the main character honestly. Because um, guess who we get as our main character? Lori. Yes. And this played is, by Monica Kino. And this is not Lori Strode from Halloween series. No. So actually, one quick question though: the beginning of the movie is like Jason at Crystal Lake, right? Yeah. Or technically. And his, and, and wherever, I guess in, wherever the end of Jason Goes to Hell was is where his body should be, right? Because he's some, well, his body disintegrated at the end of Jason Goes to Hell. It just go went, it went poof. Okay, there was no body. But I, I'm taking it as this is two months after Jason Goes to Hell. I'm taking it as that spot where Freddy came up and grabbed his mask and pulled it down. I'm just assuming that's where Jason's body is because his body had to get resurrected somewhere, right? So let's say it was Crystal Lake, whatever. So here's a real question. Because at the end of Jason Goes to Hell, he dies at his family's estate. Which is near Crystal Lake, but not Crystal Lake. Exactly. But uh, in this movie, there was no house or just remnants of a house, and it was covered by woods. So, so he was definitely in Crystal Lake. So we should add that, and this is going to probably pretty much put the entire movie in perspective, and we're watching the Nightmare series, obviously, so we're going through each movie, so we have everything fresh in our minds, basically. So the creator here, or the director, Ronnie Yu... He came out and just said flat out, like, hey, he watched the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie. He watched the first Friday the 13th movie, which he didn't even have Jason, which makes it even more egregious. Mm-hmm. But then he was like, look, I don't need to watch any other movies. I know that he's like, I got the gist of it. I'll just come in and do that. The main two movies I would say you'd want to watch, if this is directly following Jason Goes to Hell and Freddy's Dead, I would say at least you'd watch those two movies because this is a follow-up for those, from those characters from those two movies, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, you could have at least thrown a bone to the Jason Goes to Hell audience and be like, hey, 
technically he should be getting resurrected from. But let's say Jason, some silly world, is like so attached to Crystal Lake that his body was transformed back to Crystal Lake. In front of Jason, they actually don't they don't show where his body is resurrected from. Mm-hmm. We just we're we're just saying that. But my question is, after a quick opening credits and that death scene, Jason is in Springwood. Yep, Ohio. He walked all the way from New Jersey. <laughs> was this? Was that like six months later that Jason finally arrives in Springwood? Because he he didn't take a cab. He didn't take Uber. He walked. Remember teleportation? <laughs> oh my god. My man, Jason teleported from New Jersey or, to Ohio. Or as I like to put it, horrorbertation powers. I got one better. From Crystal Lake, he took that same boat that normally goes to Manhattan, apparently, and he, and he got off in Ohio, whatever the nearest even dock makes, was near Ohio. Even though that makes no damn sense. <laughs> hey, is that her teleportation? I mean, go on. Horrorbertation. So this movie's taking huge liberties there because Jason's already in Springwood. There was no <laughs> no explanation. Yeah, we didn't even He's get wa- walking little... down the street. Yep. So I guess we should mention two actually important characters. Well, one important one, one really should have died. Um, you got Mark and Will that are currently in Weston Hills. Weston Hills from, as we remember, Nightmare Part 3. Mm-hmm. And we see the return of Hypnocell. Yep. Everybody there is getting fed Hypnocell to make sure they don't dream. So the real question I'm wondering is how long... Does a drug have to be experimental before it is actually released onto the world? Well, I think that I think what this movie's hinting at is the idea that Springwood is doing their own thing. Mm. The F- FCA, whatever it is, the Drug Administration, the government, they they don't know what's going on in Springwood. They're doing their own thing because if anybody else found out, and this is, I guess, this is pre, it's not pre-internet. So there's definitely internet here, but everything wasn't so because some of these kids would just get on the internet and be like, "Hey, this stuff is going on here." Right, but. Another thing I like is actually the actor who plays Mark, Brandon Fletcher. He's a pretty good actor. He's playing in a few B movies, whether they're horror or action. Yeah. He even has his own little trilogy out called Rampage, which I haven't watched yet, so I wouldn't know anything about it. But he's also in Blood Rain 2 and 3. I will suggest 2. Stay away from 3. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, so, and there's kind of a mystery going on with Mark's storyline. Because, again, cause, uh, he's actually kind of a victim of Freddy, sort of, even though it was really his brother that felt the, that actually died from him. All right, so my question is... Why didn't we follow Mark? No, no. How long ago are we thinking his brother died? So, I, they, I don't think they actually mentioned that. I'm thinking... Oh, no, actually, they mentioned a date. I can't remember the fucking date's name now. Because I'm not trying to get too nitpicky with the, with the timeline, but this is 2003... Freddy's been dead since 1999. I, if it's in that 10-year period where he's killing all the kids in Springwood, no, it was within that, that ten. It was within the 10-year period that I know. I think okay. they said it was like 1996 when the brother, quote unquote, committed suicide. But he mentions as he's okay. trying to find evidence of Freddy to convince really Will at this point. All everything about Freddy is blotched out. Yes. So coming to find out that the town is currently trying to erase Freddy from. Any kind of historical records. Because, because the town knows Freddy's power derives from fear. We've surmised that many times. We've seen it, we've seen it happen many times in the sequels. And Freddy they needs, say that, he needs fear. And they say that about five times in this damn movie. I count about seven. Oh, fuck me. Well, look, man. They're trying... If they're saying basically... They're that, saying the audience is stupid. They're saying if our damn director didn't watch the sequels... Then most of the audience didn't see the sequels either. So we're going to recap everything. We're going to have Freddy himself recap his entire history once again. So So let's talk about a scene I know you hate and I hate. And that's really pretty much Gibbs' death. 
I mean, the horrors, the, the, the nightmare scene is fine. You know, Freddy's not really taunting her because he just wants to kill her at this point. He wants to feel that rush of killing people again. Yep. And this is also where we get pretty uh, a uh, gross thing that unfortunately happens at raves. But, you know, a girl gets too drunk, passes out, and so you get some raver who wants to take advantage of her. Uh-huh. And then Jason becomes our anti-hero, sort of. I saw the comments. Um, I saw some people online basically kind of were taking the angle of like, man, Jason saved her. I'm like... Well, he did kill her. <laughs> it was an unintentional save. It was a save, but he killed her, though. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know what she wanted. What she would have wanted more. I don't think she necessarily like if she. I don't think she was like saying thank you, Jason. I think she was like, well, I don't want my chest to explode either, though. I mean, <laughs> right. But as so happens, this is Freddy's. Um, well, this is Freddy's first thing where he's like, man, you know, I brought Jason back, but. Now I gotta get rid of him. He won't stop killing. You know, Freddy's plans always seem to backfire. Unbelievable. Never seems to work out for him. And also, uh, here's another thing that that makes no sense. So so let's not talk about the Rave Massacre scene because that's a pointless scene. Um, Well, there's some bad bad effects where you can see people wear (laughs) blood packs in their chest because their chest is sticking out. Or like the one guy that wasn't actually hit, but somehow his blood packs started going off anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like a machine gun off in the chest. So, Fre- so Jason's on fire in this scene, and yet he hacks into a beer keg, and beer goes over. I thought alcohol was flammable. Yeah. How did the alcohol put him out? I don't know. Sure that was alcohol? Was that water? Anyway, so the real question I got, now that we talked about a scene we really should not have talked about, did Mark's parents just not move? And if so, what? where are they in this movie? Because they're at Mark's house. Mark's been gone at least four years that we know of in Weston Hills. Yeah. Tell me, the par- and the parents never visited him. Nope. The parents never got rid of his brother's truck. Nope. And apparently they never moved, even though they're not home. So I guess they're on vacation. Yep. I, I don't know. I mean... How the hell did Mark get in? Are you telling me that his parents just leave the doors unlocked? I don't know. Or did Mark bust a window? Because I didn't see any broken windows. What the hell was Mark and Will's plan? Because Mark's basically at one point like, let's, let's get out of town. And Will's like, I gotta go talk to Lori! That's another thing. Why did no one think to check Mark's house when these two broke out of Weston Hills? I, I don't know. Listen, I don't know. And unfortunately for Mark, Freddy had to have at least one kill scene, and it ends up being Mark, because he's the only motherfucker that dies in the movie from Freddy is Mark. And it's kind of a weak kill because Freddy just sets him on fire. Yeah. And also, now, another scene probably should mention that makes no sense is, so Deputy Scott goes up to the sheriff and says, hey, Deputy, I think I know who's doing these copycat killings. We already know it is. We're taking care of it. But, sir, we got a copycat of uh, Jason Voorhees' killer. Now, you don't mention that name, <laughs> bud. <It's> like, <laughs> what? Are you telling me you're treating Jason like Freddy? If he's forgotten, no one can be afraid. Jason doesn't work on the same line. To me, Jason, I feel like at this point, Jason is like a national known thing because this is in canon with Jason Goes to Hell, right? Mm-hmm. And Jason Goes to Hell, they're talking about Jason on TV. Mm-hmm. He's a national known serial killer that's killed over 100 people. Mm-hmm. Which means everyone knows about him. There's no forgetting that. They're, they're telling our audience basically that only people in Springfield have heard of Freddy, and only people in Camp Crystal Lake have heard of Jason. Even though that makes no sense because they're he's in Springwood kill- talking about Freddy or Jason. Yeah. And how did Freddy go 10 years killing 5 billion teenagers and nobody in... Where was the FBI at his house to take him down? Anyways, but at least, like I said, clear Ronnie, like I said, even though they're building on Jason Goes to Hell, just the fact that uh, Freddy got his mask, 
they're disregarding everything else established in Jason Goes to Hell, which most fans are okay with because most fans don't like Jason Goes to Hell, but still. Yep, so uh, I guess now we can talk about the most egregious bullshit scene, and that's when they're all around the table. Well, listen. All talking right. about what to do. Listen, Nick, here's the thing. To give us the plot here's for the, the thing, fifth man. time. Here's the thing, man. For the people that went to get popcorn early, early in the movie... That went to the and bathroom. stayed there for the whole thing. This is the fifth time in an hour they mentioned this damn plot. Listen, man, people have short attention spans these days, man. Sometimes you have to have the recap right there on your face nine times, right? Okay, what bothers me about the scene is not the recap. What bothers me is one character literally giving the plot summary and saying it, just being like, hey, guys, just wondering out loud. Wondering out loud. You know, light bulb, what if Freddy's using Jason to scare the town, but now Jason's gone too far, and he has to, he has to stop him. Jason died by water, Freddy by fire. How can we use this? Now that... That was literally the next line. Doesn't that sound like someone else with this too, and it made a lot of sense to me. That, that appears to be like a writer's note that somehow <laughs> they it. thought was in the script. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a writer's note? Someone, like a note of saying... Hey, Jason died by water, Freddy by fire. How can we use that? They accidentally put that in the movie, but that is not a line because that line doesn't fit with anything. Especially what they were talking about in that. Because then it cuts to them pretty much in the scene again. Okay, so now let's get to Weston Hills because now they decide, hey, we've been on this drug called Hypnosil. We didn't know what it did before, but you know what? We have not had a damn dream since we've been there in the four years they've been there. Why the hell is this random cop helping these kids anyways? Why did he just suddenly show up to tell them about Jason, and now he's part of the gang? So he can be fried. <laughs> he got fried like a damn Thanksgiving turkey. Okay, so Freddy Worm. This is such a damn 2002, 2003-ish thing. There's, like, all these movies back then. It seems like they were experimenting with technology and want to see what this looked like. But I, this, is, this is not the Freddy Worm from Part 3. No. Not at all. Well, remember, Freddy Worm from Part 3 was supposed to be Freddy Penis. <laughs> well, whatever it was, it was practical effects and looked a lot better than this. Yes. Okay, now we can get back to what we actually came to watch this movie for. Freeberg tranquilizing Jason. You know, they really fucked up the character of Jason in this movie. They made him human again. You're saying because tranquilizers actually affect him? Tranquilizers affect him. Apparently his heart is beating. His lungs are breathing. If he's If his heart is beating and he's legitimately alive... Some of the damage he takes in this movie, he should have died from. Yeah. This character is alive at this point. You know, it's tricky because I understand that from their perspective. They're like, well, we need Jason to fall asleep so Freddy can get in his head. But it's like, Jason don't sleep. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's not a thing. I mean. Apparently it is. When do you see Jason go unconscious? Never. In this damn movie. Well, they had to. I mean, obviously they're going to break some rules. So now we get Jason pinball, which admittedly is this whole fight scene starting from here all the way through is extremely fun to watch it's intense freddie apparently knows kung fu well this is where the good thing is for this is where they actually can make good use of special effects Mm -hmm. because you have freddie's dream world you got jason bouncing around like a damn pinball freddie giving classic one-liners here oh um tilt everything about this is amazing except when the humans get involved. No. Except when Jason walks towards Freddy and Freddy has a waterfall up here and Jason goes, Oh, I can't go through water. In fact, Jason says, 
Ooh, I'm scared of water. <laughs> and I say, whoa, oops, not, not in the sequels I've seen. Why is Jason afraid of water? What the fuck? Nick, the man swam to Manhattan <laughs> from Crystal Lake. Yep. He swam to Manhattan. Yep. Walking. He swam from Manhattan also to back to Crystal Lake. He's refusing to walk through two-inch waterfall that Freddy's put in front of him. That looks like it honestly came from, damn, a Nickelodeon water park. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of water that little kids jump back and forth between when the, 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 the parents have a hose and just messing with them. Yeah. And Jason goes, oh, no, can't do that. No! Now, the writers claim that this was not them. They claim that this is something they'd, that happened on the set. Maybe this is at Ronnie Yu's feet. I don't know, but it's just unexplainable. It doesn't fit with the rest of the series. And probably the biggest problem that most people have with this movie the fans, at least, are... Is Jason Afraid of Water. Jason Afraid of Water, because, as you'll talk about, that doesn't even hold up in this movie. Yeah. By so, the end, even that's forgotten. So, here's, here's another thing. So, apparently, while Jay, th- these characters apparently picked up Jason, got him in the van, started driving to Crystal Lake. Okay, whatever. I'm going to ignore the fact that oh, New Jersey is a completely <laughs> different state than Ohio. They took quite a road trip there. Right. In one night. Um, one anyway, night. so... The real thing I've got it is obviously they're talking about the consequences of, you know, if Jason wins, he's just going to get up and kill them all. And he goes, well, what if Freddy wins? Because they're taking him back to Crystal Lake. And Monica Keenan's character goes, well, then he'll have a home field advantage. I'm like, if Freddy wins, Jason's dead. Dead. What home field advantage can a man get when he's dead? <laughs> uh, how did Lori enter Jason's dream? Again, I'll We've already established that was only a dream power to select few. You know, Stormy Freddy's death, they just started throwing that power around pretty liberally. Uh, Tracy, I guess Lori just meditated. She met the doc, too, and the doc was like, ah, oh, through meditation, anything can work. So here, I got a question for you. I asked you this before, but I'm going to ask you again. You go up to the camp counselors, you see two talking, flirting, and you see two more having sex. Explain to me which two you would go to to say, hey, there's a kid drowning in the lake. The ones flirting? No, apparently, according to this girl, is the ones having sex. Oh, yeah, Demon Freddy. Probably the one of the best parts about this movie is the effects they use with Demon Freddy. His eyes are all kind of like bloodshot, wide-eyed, and crazy. He His teeth very are cool. sharp. Very cool. His ears are literally pinched back, and it honestly looks like his head is almost coned. It's basically Uber Freddy. Yeah. It's like Uber Jason, but with Freddy. And honestly, I wish they would have kept this version of Freddy for the rest of this fight. Because it yeah. would show... How Freddy is strong enough to go toe-to-toe with Jason and not even get hit but once. Yeah, and I think that the only explanation I can think of is that the makeup would have been crazy if Robert England to wear that makeup. It probably was, which is why they didn't do it, but still. If they could have CGI'd it somehow. It would have made sense uh, because me and you mentioned before. And Freddy's dead. Freddy gets his ass whooped. By his daughter. Hand-to-hand by his daughter. By his daughter. In real life. In real life. In this movie, in real life, Freddy is a Muay Thai expert. Oh, yeah. And the only thing I'm guessing, the reason is, is because he spent four years in hell. He got bored. I think he really took a lot from Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That, too. Remember that roundhouse kick he could do Freddy's dead? Oh, yeah. That didn't look anywhere as good as the stuff he's doing here. Mm -mm. Now, granted, to be fair, Robert England definitely didn't do this fight scene. This was all stunt double with Robert England. Yeah, but the stuff he's breaking out, just you're right. It's he, he's doing back elbows, he's doing kicks, he's doing chops, he's whooping that ass. 
Jason gets in only a few licks at all the whole fight. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, Freddy is just going to town on him, clawing him. For, uh, goes up when Jason finally grabs him and throws him. Freddy goes to the damn, uh, was it? The, I, I'm going to call them torpedoes because the air tanks. Goes to the air tanks, shoots them. Freddy get, uh, Jason gets hit, and then Freddy teleports. Do I, what? Yep, Freddy teleports from the air canisters to on top of a building that looks like was being built. Drops a bunch of pry bar on Jason, and a few of them go through him. Callie Rowland's death scene. Who? Oh, oh Kia. Kia. Kia's death scene. One, one thing I want to bring up with her, basically, I read how the originally the scene was supposed to be, and it's so much better than we got. So it, it was basically they were going to show that Kia had like been researching both of them, right? So then she was going to see Jason and get it mixed up and do the thing like with Jason where she's like, like Nancy part one, she's like, I don't believe in you. You're not shit. I refuse to believe in you. But she's messing up because she's doing that on Jason where she's supposed to be like, she's she messing up. She mixed him up. And Jason's like, well, then stab her, right? That would have been brilliant because you can see she's trying to do the Nancy, but she's getting it mixed up and doing it on Jason instead of Freddy. And then Freddy actually was going to say, wrong one, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other way, this fight goes on for quite a bit. Jason's get Jason can't seem to hit Freddy because Freddy's so fast. Well, some they get thrown to the docks where Jason actually starts getting a lot of hits in. I'm guessing Freddy's tired. Yeah, I mean, like all that Muay Thai and all the he's been beating James' ass for 20 minutes now. So, and at this point, you know, in boxing fights, you got a little break between rounds. So, well, but this is the part that I also start hating this movie because now we start seeing what Lori and Will are doing. But I'm like, she, I don't care about those two. Yeah. And also, I probably should have mentioned that she believes Freddy is the one who actually killed her mom. Be, this happened apparently four years ago when Freddy, when there's absolutely no little kids in Springwood. Yep. And so I'm going to assume this had to have happened after Freddy's dead was Lori's mother's death. It's so hard to fit Freddy's dead in the timeline. But still, if Freddy, Freddy should have been dead during that time. Yeah. So if Freddy's dead at this time, then that means really all he's, that dream sequence he's, showed. He's narrating documentaries in hell at that time. Yeah. So, so <laughs> to be honest, the way I see it is Lori's mom, Lori's dad really did kill her. And Freddy was just using that memory against her. I mean, because it was the same house that that Nancy lived in. It was the same house that the, um, the kid from part two lived in. Yeah. It was the same house that still happened and everything. And even Freddie said, I've always had a thing for the whores in this house. Lori's dad actually killed the mom, but Freddie was using that memory against her after Will th put that in her head. I still don't think Freddie killed her. So this whole bit of her now wanting to see Freddie die because Freddie killed her mom is pointless. Pointless. Absolutely. Anything with this character is pointless. <laughs> Well, I, look, I hate to say it, but Lori is the most annoying protagonist in all the series. And and her involvement in the end, basically, as far as her actually being the one to kill Freddy, theoretically, is pretty sad also. Welcome I, to my world, bitch! Well, here's another question I got. Where did all this gasoline come from? I, I There's don't know. gas in the cabin. There's gas, a whole gas tank, on the dock. <laughs> on the dock. Uh, Crystal Lake has gotten a lot different since our last visit to it. So. Okay, so let's just end it by saying, by Lori chopping off Freddy's head and then giving the machete back to Jason and then leaving with Will. 
and Jason walks out of the water nonchalant, not afraid, with Freddy's head in his hand, and Freddy winks at the screen. Yeah, Freddy won, maybe. That, that, end, that ending was, in my opinion, that was Jason dreaming. But then he would be afraid of water. <laughs> well, that's true. But and, I think Freddy's wink means something. So. But it does, because originally there was supposed to be a sequel to this movie. And Ash would have kicked both their asses. Probably. Anyway, so there was actually an alternate ending that I watched. It was Laurie and Will having sex. This is the worst ending ever. <laughs> so you've seen it? Yeah, I don't know. Laurie and Will having sex, and then all of a sudden Will holds Laurie down by the throat. And claws come out of his hand, and that's the expected the death acting, of Laurie. The acting from Will in that scene was so bad. The acting from both of them and this whole movie. Yeah, I don't understand. They, they really bring the movie down for me, big time. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so that's the movie. Best performance, Brandon Fletcher. Agreed, underutilized. Yeah. Should have got more time. If you're going to let um, Laurie's friends live longer, then why not let... Him be part of the group. Worst performance for it's me. A, it's Monica, a tie. Me, Monica Kina. No, nah, it's Monica and Will for me. <laughs> well, and Will is uh John Ritter's son. John. Man. Either way, Mr. Ritter. Mr. Ritter, John Ritter's son. The I, acting was not good in this movie. Nah, it was too. They were too dramatic, but not in a good way. Because they were probably told to act like they're in a damn soap opera. I've, One of them came from a soap opera. I've seen much better acting in soap operas. Trust me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this would put soap operas to shame. Um. Best fi- best scene for me. It's the fight scene. Yeah, when Freddy first comes out of the dream mm-hmm. and they're in the cabin, that's the the next five minutes. Amazing. Oh yeah, worst scene. <laughs> Freeberg's house. I got one. That better. whole table scene. No, I got one better. What's that? When they come to the school, <laughs> and Mark is like, "One, two, Freddy's coming for you." <laughs> You know why they say that? Because that's when he comes for you. Who wrote that shit, man? Well, here's the real question. Why is everyone in that school, when Lori is having a discussion, a private conversation with her friends, they all just decide to stop and look at her like, oh my God, is she going to be okay? If you're on the run, you escape from the hospital, are you going to go into a damn public school anyways? But also, how did Mark know that uh, Robert Shea was the principal? It's not like he goes to that school. After four plus years, you would think the principal would have changed. Yeah. So how would he have known that was the principal and not just some random teacher? I don't know. We got to get, we, we get the Bob Shea cameo, though. I'm fine with the Bob Shea cameo. I'm just wondering what's with, how did Mark, who hasn't been in his school in so long, know that's the principal? All right, well, exactly. What's the next category? <laughs> Explored more. Honestly, Mark's backstory. Uh, that's true. I, I, I Granted, you, they could have spent more time on that. Um, just the whole Weston Hills thing, period. Yeah. Like, what the town's plan, tell us what's happened since Freddy's dead. Mm. Just give us something. Who would you eliminate? I don't think I need to go into that. <laughs> We've already done our worst, worst character category. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> now here's a new category I suggested. Just, it, we can continue this if you want, but I really suggested it for this movie. Sure. What would you change about the movie? Honestly, I would change the main character. Yeah. That is, I would change it from Lori. I would, heck, to be honest with you, I would rather have watched Kia for more than, the, than I watched Lori. And that's yeah. saying something, because honestly, the actress who played Kia didn't do that great either. Not saying anything bad against her, because it was most likely the direction she was given. Well, Catherine Isabel, the reason why I would like her in the leading role is because she already, like I said, she was basically like a screen queen at that time. She was already in a lot of horror movies. She'd already starred in many horror movies. So it felt like she earned a chance to actually be 
you didn't really need like a big name actress in that role. Mm-hmm. So I would run there. And the fact that she was one, one of Robert England's favorite young actresses, yeah, throw in there. Why not? Oh, heck. I still love the part where at, right after Trey died, Kyle was like, uh, do you all need any assistance? What the fuck did I think? <laughs> I laugh I, every time I see that scene. I don't blame her for that. Again, this is bad writing. Oh, no. That, that I'm was, not saying that it was, was bad. over the top. I'm not saying it was bad. I just laugh every time I see it. I laugh too, but it's on surround sound, that actually hurt my ears. <laughs> it was so out of nowhere and so loud. I was like, oh, come on, man. Okay, so final thoughts. Um, Jesus. I'm, I'm scared to think what you're going to give it. You know, put yourself in a box where you... Okay, so first, I'm going to give it a star for the fight and then take half a star away because the people, the, uh, Lori and Will got involved. <laughs> I know, right? That, that's where this is going. Um, that's half a star. <laughs> so far, that's half a star. I'm going to give it another star for the music because the music is amazing in this movie and it's used correctly. Well, this is more of a Nightmare movie. All the Nightmare, all the Nightmare movies have great music. Yes. I'm going to give it another star, of course, for Robert England. And I'm going to take another star away for Laurie being in this movie. Take another star away for Ken Kersinger. You know what? He's not as egregious just because he didn't have to act. Nah, he ruined Jason for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so overall... You know, I'm just trying to think, like, based on what you just said, I'm trying to do the math, and I can't do the math. <laughs> so, you, you, did, you, did, you did one too many minus and add, add too many stars. I don't oh, know what the math is. Overall, this movie is, I'm going to say this doesn't equal to math, but my brain's kind of fried from this movie. Almost as fried as Deputy Scott. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Because my math equals two stars, but I'm giving it a one and a half. There's just no saving this movie. The, you want to watch this movie, go on YouTube, type in, Freddy versus Jason fight scene and just watch the super cut because all it is is Freddy and Jason pulverizing each other. And that's what the audience wanted to see. Not this drama soap opera crap that we ended up getting throughout this whole damn movie. Hey, Vic, how'd you like this movie? Well, let me just say, folks, up until now, I don't think I've ever seen Nick so passionate about a movie. Jesus. But he's so hard on it that I have no choice but to defend it a little bit. This is by far not as bad as his tone suggests. <laughs> as your tone suggests. All right. Actually, no, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty bad. You can't even defend it. <laughs> I'm the, You're going to give it the same thing I gave it. No. I'm being nice. No. The, the good things are that Freddy is amazing in the movie. It's a great performance for Robert England. Everything to do with Freddy in the movie is, is great. The actual Freddy versus Jason fight scenes are amazing. And that does make up the last 30 minutes of the movie which is a sizable portion of the movie. If that was the last five minutes, I wouldn't give it two stars at all. I'm going to go two stars overall because, as you said, you can just watch the last 30 minutes, but at that point, you've already invested 30 minutes, maybe just watch the entire movie. It has some big problems, obviously. We've talked about Jason being afraid of water, terrible dialogue, explaining the plot 700 times in the course of 90 minutes. I really thought Jason just wasn't right in this movie. He moves slow, he lumbers along, he's way too tall. Uh, he has no personality. There's no, there's nothing, just like a weird, like a new character. Like it's not the same guy from Jason Goes to Hell. And, you know, there's, there's that theory that the Jason from Jason Goes to Hell is like a whole different thing from the first eight. And maybe that's the case because the New Line Cinema Jason is definitely different from the rest of them. It's a fun movie for a lot of people. You'll be, you'll be entertained. As dumb as it is, you'll be entertained. So I'm going to give it two stars. I don't think it's the worst in the series. It's definitely better than part five to me. It's up there at part two. And it's definitely better than Friday 13th Part 5, no question. So, two stars. You bandwagon jumper. Oh, 
Anyway, everybody, you all have a good night. And remember, if Freddy vs. Jason randomly knocks on your door, shut the door in its face and watch a Blu-ray of Nightmare on Elm Street with surround sound and enjoy everything else. Watch the, la- watch the last few minutes on YouTube. Fair. Have a good night and see you all next week.